listening to the Analuya podcast, where faith and animation collide. Each episode, we'll discuss various topics in today's animated movies and TV shows, while also sharing our thoughts and opinions as they relate to faith and spirituality. Get ready to raise a hallelujah! It's time for Analuya. to the Analia Podcast. My name is Josh, and once again, I am joined with my lovely wife, Rebecca. That's me. So we've got a great episode lined up for you today. Um, we are going to be doing another 90s film. If you remember our premiere podcast episodes, um, parts one and two, we did The Swan Princess and Once Upon a Forest. We'll be doing a later 90s film today. And this is the first time I've seen the film all the way through. And Rebecca actually has seen it a few times. So we are going to be discussing Warner Brother Family's Entertainment 1998 film, Quest for Canelot. Yay! If you took 10th grade English in high school, literature, anything like that, you knew it was always surrounding medieval times. Knights of the Round Table, Merlin, fights and horses and chivalry, all that great stuff. And a lot of that, a lot of that surrounds this film. It's the foundation. Um, it takes King Arthur and it takes elements from the original story that this film is based on. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. So Quest for Camelot. Becky, you're more familiar with this film than I am because, again, this was a once, uh, well, not a once watch. It was a full watch for the first time for me. Yeah, which is so surprising, honestly, that you had never seen the full movie, only clips. Um, I, you know, yeah, it was one of our favorites growing up. I really enjoyed this movie and I loved seeing it again. Because it's been so long since I've seen it. So it was really nice, nice to watch it again. And I remembered all the songs uh, that were in the movie. And it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And that's the one thing that threw me off a little bit is with animated movies, I'm expecting, like, especially if it's a non Disney movie, I'm not expecting as many songs as there were. But when I looked at the genre, I was expecting, okay, it's family action, it's family kids. No, this was family musical. So when they went three minutes song, three minutes song, it made made more sense. I'm like, gosh, they got a lot of songs in here. Mm -hmm. And I have to say the songs are excellent. Some of my favorites. Um, I know I enjoyed it as a kid and I still enjoyed it as an adult. So, yeah, I... I love the songs. And, you know, I think so one of the featured songs, I'm sure we'll talk more about what each of the songs were. But um, one of the songs that they used was uh, The Prayer. And I don't know if this is the first time it appeared somewhere. I mean, it's probably just the first time that I knew what it was. But <laughs> the song's probably been around for a long time. Do you know, Josh, how long? When did this song come out? The Prayer. The prayer. So this was covered by Celine Dion. Um, right. I don't know 
if well no no Celine Dion was the singing voice mm-hmm. for Kaylee the main no she, Celine Dion was this main singing voice for the mom mainly for oh, the, the mo- prayer oh, oh yeah yeah that's right because the mom was singing sorry exactly the mom was singing it over Kaylee the daughter right so hmm but I'm not sure if that is who originally saying though I don't know either I'm not sure but that's uh, certainly how it got its popularity is it I, mean, I don't know. All, all I know is that I heard it for the first time as a kid in this movie, and then that was that. That's it. Right, right. Well, let's get into a bit of the history of it, and then we can kind of Ooh. delve into the Psalms a little bit. I'm actually really excited for the history portion. As I, we were watching the video, I was like, ooh, I wonder what Josh is going to find <laughs> on the history of this this film. And I knew I do know that there was a, a book that preceded the movie. Right. And, um, so, so the book was titled, uh, Kane's Damosel, uh, that's spelled D as in dog, A M O S as in Sam E L. I thought it was Kane's damsel at first. <laughs> um, so for those of you wanting to look this up online, there is the spelling so that you can find it. When did that book, the book, when did the book come out? So it actually didn't say when I was when I was uh, looking at it. Really? There's no copyright. Uh, not not that I not that I looked up anyway. But of course, the, the book has some really dark themes, um, especially for Kaylee growing up in her childhood. Oh, really? So it was different than the movie. Oh, I know, shocker. <laughs> well, no, no, that was yeah, that was a real. So it was different than the movie. The story. So it meant, so there were two leading male characters, which were Gareth and Lucius, and they were the main, the kind of like the side of the main protagonists as far as the male characters go. But with the film, they wanted to combine those two, so they just combined it into Gareth. And with Kaylee's growing up, as far as in the film is portrayed. With, you know, pretty good childhood, pretty normal upbringing, but, you know, some pretty um, dark stuff like abuse that she suffered in the book and, of course, for a children's film. Especially since this is really G, um, you had to kind of, like, really just cut that completely out. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm trying to find when it actually was... Hello, hold on. This is going to bother me. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know when this book came out. Okay. Okay. I have an answer as to when this book was written. It was first published in 1976. Okay. This is a f- interesting. Um, so someone on Amazon wrote a uh, review. Review. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I don't know why that word wasn't coming out. Um, okay. So this person says... When I was a kid, I loved Quest for Camelot. Now that I'm considerably older, I read the beginning titles and read and read it had a book. Yes, much like we did. Uh, I think I like the book better. Interesting. I loved Quest for Camelot. Still do. But I've got to say this book tastes like cake. <laughs> it's considerably different from the movie. There are a lot of adult themes to deal with, such as rape, murder, torture, and adultery. 
nice. Uh, but this is a really good book. It's, it's very good. <laughs> I would recommend it to anybody and everybody. Interesting. So they liked the book better than the movie, even though they still enjoy the movie. Yeah, so if you want like more real, kind of like deep adult themes, and again, those are inevitable with many books um, dealing with you know hard topics um, as they do. But if you want to kind of stay, you know, kind of away from that stuff, you know, watch the the, the film is kind of like the watered down version. I'm really curious. Well, it's a trilogy. Yeah, so the the Damsels trilogy, Damsels, however you say that, and uh, the next one is The Green Knight and King Arthur's Daughter. Very interesting. Yeah, I I gotta say, I'm kind of curious to read read the books, but uh, I hope some of those themes aren't terribly pronounced. I personally don't have a huge problem with reading stories about, that have to do with um, adultery and some, uh, like rape and, and a lot of those really dark themes. Um, as long as there's a redeeming factor to them and a point, I really don't like it. It doesn't make any sense to me to have it in the story. If there's no growth factor or whatever, just because like we know as Christians, God uses those things that happen in our lives to um for his glory ultimately we're jumping in here real quick with that but um you know i i don't really see a huge problem as long as it's the it's the the enemy who is doing that to someone and then they work through that process within the, the main characters work through that and um I don't know. So I don't see a huge problem as long as it's not like, yeah, this is totally fine. Go out and rape whoever you want. And, you know, <laughs> like, sure, adultery's fine. You just you love who you love or whatever like that. That's not OK. Um, but, you know, stuff happens in life. We live in a fallen world and it's that stuff is going to happen, unfortunately. And it'll keep happening until we go on until the next portion of our lives. So I don't really have a huge problem with it. Um, just senseless, senseless things that I don't like that, that or too, too much, you know, like you can allude to that stuff happening, but being overly graphic. Yeah, that's that's not really great either. And so there's a sweet spot, in my opinion, because it's good to acknowledge that these things have happened. And, you know. You push through because you have to. Yes, I would agree with that. And speaking of being okay when there's a redeeming quality, I was Googling this film and the Christian elements and the symbolism. And I Googled, is Quest for Camelot a Christian film? One of the first results that came up was from the website ChristianAnswers.com, which apparently did movie spotlights. I was not expecting the review or the comments that I saw. So the review, it's like they, well, first of all, they gave the movie making quality. So they actually had a category for that, like three and a half out of five stars. 
Boo. And I don't agree with that. <laughs> and then they said the animation was acceptable, like they're the experts. <laughs> and the songs were adequate, but nothing that you'll be humming anytime soon. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> and then the comments from some viewers, and now these are parents of Christian kids. One said, my children were terrified. Well, how old are your kids? Three and five? Well, I mean, yeah, it is rated G, but they probably shouldn't watch it because, I mean... There's some scary elements. I will say it. There's some scary elements in there. Yeah, if you're a three-year-old, five-year-old, like, hmm, that would be really scary. One parent, which I assume this is a mother that's very protective, is she said... or. Okay, I'll say the commenter said, because again, it could be a guy or a girl. Could be anyone. Don't discriminate, Josh. They said that the film was unacceptable for young children, unacceptable for Christian families. They said that the only redeeming quality was Garrett and his capability to overcome his handicap. What? I very much disagree with that. Everyone's entitled to their opinions, but as we're going to see through walking through our kind of review of this there are so many christian elements that i think are really great for kids to learn and understand and again to the technical specs a little bit for this film against it was rated g it came out in 1998 it grossed on its opening weekend about six million at the box office um, the film overall lost $40 million. Ooh. Yeah. That's a hard loss. And apparently McDonald's did not want anything to do with this as far as promotion. So Wendy's... Why? I, I don't know. But Wendy's picked it up. So good on Wendy's for promoting the Quest for Can a lot. Maybe, they, um, maybe McDonald's had read the book back in the 70s and 80s. And they were like, ugh, no. Yeah, can, we're not doing Because there's somebody up there at corporate who reads the fictional literature. <laughs> you never know. I, the, I wonder why, though. That's really interesting. There's so many great elements of diversity, actually, in this film. You've got a really strong female lead who wants to be a knight like her dad. And um, you've got the other main character who is blind and overcomes struggles and difficulties how many stories do you see about someone who's blind i actually i can't think of any off the top of my head that particularly animated animated stories that um have a blind character in there i thought that was really cool to to put that in there and you know show that diversity of people you know like we were talking about just a little bit ago life happens Everyone deals with things different ways. And you're absolutely right. And uh, this film, you know, has a lot of diversity and a lot of themes. So let's get right into it. So Quest for Camelot. And before we move on, Josh, uh, I just wanted to say, so I, uh, I am a, a corporate trainer where I am. 
and we offer my, my current job, how I make money. We've hosted a couple of diversity and inclusion trainings. And I think that there's something people miss often about diversity is that it's typically seen as very narrow focused in in diversity, that diversity is the color of your skin and your nationality. And those things are absolutely true and absolutely goes into diversity. But I think it's super important to think that you can have diversity in thought. You can have diversity in religion, race, creed, nationality, all of those things. It all goes together. And what makes us different makes us stronger. So I just wanted to to put that out there and say that we absolutely need diversity, um, but it's not so narrow in its definition that it only means nationality and the color of your skin. I hope I try to preach that a lot um, or communicate that a lot at work. Uh, it's been on my line, my mind a lot recently. So, um, so yeah, I think showing disabilities is super important and, and all of that is good representation because that can be, feel so frustrating to not feel like there is representation, even something. So I know I'm a white female, but even something as silly as, um, redheads, like I know there's not many of us like natural redheads. Um, but I get really excited when I see redheads on the screen. So yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. We can move on to the bulk of our <laughs> our thing now. No, it's all it's all good, all good. And again, great that we celebrate diversity and we're supporters of that. And you know, those with disabilities or handicaps who have overcome, they had different strengths. Is all just need to look for them. All right. So let's get into quest for Camelot. So we'll go over the general. Uh, story. So we have our main character, Kaylee, who her aspirations is she doesn't want to be a lady in waiting. She doesn't want to be a princess. She wants to be a fighter. She wants to be a knight. And she's pretty great. I like her. I really like her character a lot. In the opening, you have the Knights of the Round Table. You have King Arthur and Kaylee's dad, Sir hold on. Lionel. Sir Lionel is one of the knights of the round table, but early in the film, like the first five minutes in, he is killed by none other than Sir Ruler, which we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, he's a piece of work. Wow. Okay, carry on. And through a series of events, the Sword of Excalibur, which has been in King Arthur's hands, is whisked away out of his possession and is dropped into the Forbidden Forest. And upon Kaylee hearing this, she now sets out on a mission to find Excalibur and bring it back to King Arthur. And that is where we begin. Yes, it's a great setup, isn't it? Yeah, man, I, I want to say I made most of my notes in the very beginning of the movie uh, where it sets up. I was like, oh, that's that's a that's a Christian theme. Oh, that's that's yeah. another one. Oh, yeah, my I, goodness. I, I, I saw you over there and you're like, I'm like what is she writing? Down? <laughs> like, she's got whole paragraphs. And I just have like my bullet points. I have bullet points, but, you know, yeah. 
Now, when we open up in the film, we have... United we stand. Yeah, so I guess brother it's... Brother to brother. So it's United we stand. Now, I'm going to play a little clip of this, of the beginning. I, uh, in my opinion, I got kind of like Lion King kind of vibes. Because there's a little piece in there that sounds like the melody of the opening song from the Lion King. It's interesting because I did not get that. I don't know what I was thinking, except that I was really excited to watch this movie. <laughs> and <laughs> I was, and I love this song. Yeah. Okay. Play the clip and then we'll talk about it. It's kind of like that. Da, 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 da. Kind of like that repetition where you had the like and whatever they're saying. So, do you kind of see where I'm coming from with the whole Lion King vibe? Yes. After hearing it again, I can definitely see that. You know what else I was thinking too was Frozen. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was a very um, the Frozen heart kind yes. of a feel I, I you know i really enjoy though movies that start off with sort of like a like a chant right. about what is this movie going to be about it starts off the movie with that and i i enjoy that i love musicals though i'm a huge sucker for musicals apparently this is where my love of musicals started i think beauty and the beast was actually the very first movie that i saw yeah that was like musical-esque anyway that's beside the point but yeah, I totally see what you're saying about the Lion King vibes. So we get into the Knights of the Round Table where we have the opening song, which we played a little bit of, which is called United We Stand, Divide, Divided We Fall, which is so true. And That's a Bible verse. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, a house cannot stand divided. So already, you know, in the, within the first Psalm, there is a Christian message. Well, that and um, I don't know. One of the, actually the very first thing I wrote down was that King Arthur is an allegory for Jesus. Right. That's what I thought. I thought Excalibur, King Arthur, in parenthesis, Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was when Sir Lionel was telling the story to his daughter Kaylee Correct. that he, the way he told the story just made me think, wow, this is 100% Jesus, that he is the king of the new city of Camelot, that Camelot is the new Jerusalem. And that's what they're fighting for, the kingdom of God. And it is more of a triumphant retelling of the King Arthur story than the Disney Sword in the Stone film. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sword in the Stone. Well, Sword in the Stone takes place, though, when King Arthur, Arthur, is just a stable boy. And it's his, like coming of age story, if you will. Very different. I always find it a little bit funny when... You know, Arthur is trying to tell. Yeah, I got out. The, I got out the in the church. I got it near that yard in the church where there's a stone. It's like, no, you you take us there and you show us. <laughs> it's like now pulled out, and this is kind of like what we're referencing. <laughs> All right, boy, let's have the miracle. Now wait a minute. Anyone can pull it once it's been pulled. She might say, I turn you one side. 
Hold on, that's not fair. I say we let the boy try it. That's what I say. Give the boy a chance. No, I knew that I could pull it once it's been pulled. All right, Pansy, go out there and do it. (laughs) Yeah, I do love the story of King Arthur, though, in general. Um, It's such a beautiful story. It's just really fun. I I always love, though, the, the Knights of the Round Table and the... All of that. Actually, so this year for, uh, so every year my family has a gingerbread making contest and like we go all out and this year, like we make our, we have our own special uh, gingerbread dough recipe that we have and we make models of the of the gingerbread structures before we actually build it like the whole nine yards anyway this year's theme was fairy tales and i figured legends and whatever goes in with that so i chose king arthur as my gingerbread that i made um it didn't quite turn out like I really wanted it to, but you know, it's fine. I had like a, like a square structure that was supposed to be the castle of Camelot. And then in the center through the roof, I had Excalibur, the sword. Um, and inside the structure of the, the Camelot, I had the round table that was, um, holding up the Excalibur in the center. So that was really fun. That was really fun. Um, when I was like watching Nathan and Aiden and making the gingerbread, I thought it was really cool how you kind of structured that sword and that castle. And like while it was still standing, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The roof, um, I didn't make it. I think I made it a little too thick, the roof, and, and it didn't like bake all the way. So now, it... r- remind me, did you end up using the rubies we made out of like candies or? The sugar? The sugar, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did on the sword and like the hilt of the sword as decorations. Um, But that was it. That was all I used it for. Now, going back into the symbolism of this film, one thing that you'll see throughout the film, because it's very prevalent, is the three intertwined circles that are on the rock where Excalibur is pulled out of. It's on the sword, and it's in many different places. Now, if you're of the faith persuasion, especially Christianity, you'll make the correlation that the three intertwined circles in this film are representative of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right, yeah, and you'll notice too that um, it is the three circles that are overlapping. It's also the Celtic knot of the Trinity. That was used by the Trinity. Um, Although when it's a Celtic knot way back when obviously the Celts were living, they used it as I want to say it was like fire, water, earth or something or the the spirits of the elements of the earth, um, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, now let's kind of discuss our characters a little bit in this film. So right off of that, we have Kaylee, who is our main female character, and we are introduced to Sir Lionel, her father, and her mother, Juliana. Lady Juliana. My my apologies, Lady Juliana. (laughs) And we have King Arthur, we have Garrett, and we have our antagonist, Sir Ruler. 
Yeah, he's one bad dude. Yeah, like in the very beginning, he he's just very self-centered, very arrogant. He just well, even his character design doesn't look anything like the other knights of the round table. I'm right. so surprised. So he actually started off as a knight of the round table and fought with King Arthur, but he only fought with him because he thought that he was going to win. That was the only reason he fought with him and followed him. But otherwise, yeah, he starts off right off the bat and is like, today's the day that we are going to uh, divide the land equally amongst us because we all did our part in making this new kingdom happen. And he was like, well, I want more because I did more. I'm worth more. And he's just like so greedy. That was the very first word I wrote down about him. That was like greed. He only thinks of himself like, wow, only thinks of himself. And Ken like, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. That This is what we're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I loved what. Um, so during that first scuffle. Sir Lionel, the reason he ends up dying is before he goes to fight with him, he says, I will not serve a false king. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I will not serve a false king. No idols shall I have before me. I will serve no other gods but my God. And that was that was what I got through that. I was like, wow, that's awesome. That is that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Not only that, but I know we see a little bit later so yeah, we we also see him in that same that same time frame, really a archetype for Satan and evil, and not only that, but and and you could say that about really any antagonist, but well, yeah, really, but with how this film is and how it's set up, it really you can see those correlations. Well, yeah, he's not shy about it though either. I gotta say, not shy. Um, I also definitely got like betrayal of Judas. Judas's betrayal is perhaps strongest of all, except that Rupert doesn't uh, feel guilty about what he did and Judas did. Not that guilt is is saving, because it's not right. And when Kaylee goes on her journey, she comes across some allies, which versus Garrett. Yeah, and before we before we move on. After Kaylee finds out about her father's death, she ends up singing the song, I will do uh, or, um, my father's wings. And some of the lyrics in there are, I will do great things on my father's wings. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our main characters. So we have Kaylee, who is, she doesn't want to be ladylike. She doesn't want to be a princess. She wants to be a knight. She wants to be a fighter. And that, I think, is totally awesome. That's right. Fierce lady power. And then we have Sir Lionel, her father. Lady Juliana, her mother. We have King Arthur, of course. He needs no introduction. We have our antagonist. Who is Sir Ruthen? Sir Rubar. Sir Ruber? Rubar? It's a How do you say his name? It's Ruther. Sir Ruther. Ruber. How do you spell it? R U B E R? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. I was wondering that as I was trying to like write down my notes. <laughs> I was like, how do you spell his name? And then we have our comedic relief in Devon and Cornwall, the two headed dragon. Devon and Cornwall. They're funny. I liked them. 
Yes, and I love the line. I'll play the clip here. When so, so what are you? Like, are you a dragon? And then, you know, definitely this um, something for the parent. Hey, hey, easy with the stick, buddy. What are you? Well, frankly, we're the reason cousin shouldn't marry. Yeah, I did not catch this when I was a kid. So, <laughs> very funny and true in some places. <laughs> well, it's a definitely a stereotype of the South for sure. Oh, yes. Totally untrue. But, you know, perhaps at one time, I don't know. But, yeah. Now, going into this, I didn't know that the uh, that Garrett was blind until she goes into it. Oh, thank you for saving me because... He saves Kaylee from these, like this net and this monsters. And she's like, Oh, thank you for saving me. He's like, Man, what is this? And you're not looking at me. You're ignoring me. He's like, Well, oh, you, you can't see. Why would you look at me when I'm talking to you? Oh. Oh, I didn't realize you were. What? Tall? Rugged? Handsome? Uh, blind? Always forget that one. It definitely reminds me of Toph from Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, Toph, yes. Yes, Toph, for sure. And definitely, like, her humor. <laughs> yes. And, and that's funny. Like, a lot of people think that people with handicaps and disabilities, we have to have, like, we have to handle kid gloves. We have to just, like, oh, well, we don't want to offend them. They're people just like us. We make jokes about each other. And in, in, in good nature... You know, we can we can make jokes and joke around with them, and it's fun, and it's great to laugh about yourself. You have to feel out who, the different people, though. Some people, it may be really offensive. Um, some people have good humor about it, so... Right. I was listening to a radio show one day. I forget what it was, but it's this guy who had, like, Parkinson's. You know, Parkinson's is a um, disease where, you know, it kind of like makes your hands shake. And on the interview, they really were trying to fill out this guy as far as like what he was okay with. And then they made a joke. It's like, yeah, you know, you can probably stir your own paint. And yeah, I can make my own milkshakes. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's super healthy to be able to laugh about our, you know, handicaps, whatever they may be. You know, in good humor, that's there's something very healing about that for sure. I think, yeah, I think you'll go through life a lot easier if you don't take offense to things like that. Right. Especially in our culture now where we're so surrounded by cancel culture. Ugh, cancel culture. If you've ever heard about, you know, the cancellation of Mr. Potato Head, they're dropping the Mister to make it more gender neutral. Or and they banned Dr. Seuss books. Um, not all of them, but stuff that has, you know, different stereotypes that people found as offensive. And while there may be some merit to that, I believe it's being taken too far. I mean, pretty soon we're going to cancel, you know, many things just because we can, just because somebody got their feelings hurt or somebody took great offense to it. You um, can't erase history. Right. It already happened. You and deal with it and you move on. Well, it's like different products like Aunt Jemima. Like they did that land of lakes. They took the Indian off and they just let the O. Really? Yeah. Have you not seen it? Apparently I haven't paid much attention. We only buy Kerrygold butter. Yes. The cow. <laughs> Nobody can erase the cow. 
I wrote in one of my notes that all of these characters put so much trust and faith into Excalibur. It's like they're everything. It made me think at some point Excalibur is almost a representation of the sword of the spirit that's a part of our spiritual armor. And that without the spirit as our sword, we really cannot move forward in life prosperously. And it's such an important part of the armor. If we're not filled with the spirit, then our we're not going to have any success. Not really. Because he is not walking with us. I would agree with that. Uh, again, as you said, sword of the spirit, and they put so much trust because they that this is something that they, this is something that they believe in, and that you know they go to. It's their it's their rock, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, well, and it came from a rock. You know the the church. Uh, it's uh you know it reminded me too. So talking a little more about the sword itself because it is such a focal point of the story. I noticed even at the very end of the movie when Rupar and he's connected the sword to his hand and Kaylee and Garrett um, wait until the last possible moment. And then they move out of the way. The sword gets stuck back into its original stone and it undoes the magic that Rupert had done on himself and his men. So it completely negated everything that the enemy had done it split the bone from marrow you know that that was the the image that i that i got of you know in the new testament i think it's paul who's talking about um the sword of the spirit that cuts through bone and marrow that um it speaks truth it's uh you know you even saw Yes, and it reminds me of the, um, it's a Bible verse, um, but what brings to mind is the worship psalm, and there's a lyric in there where it says, you took what the mini-me, uh, <laughs> the mini-me, um, <laughs> the mini-me, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the mini-me, <laughs> you took what the enemy meant for evil, and you used it for good, you used it for good. Right. Yeah. That's um, two verses actually in the Bible in Genesis where it's talking about Joseph was saying to his brothers who sold him into slavery, what you meant for evil, God took that and made it for good. And then in Romans, I only know this because I like literally just looked up this verse. Um, In Romans, it was talking about that same idea of what the enemy means for evil. God takes and uses for good for the for those who love him. And I need to memorize that verse because it's one of my favorites, the ones, the one in Romans. But yeah, that's a really good, really good reminder. So much of this movie is that. And I do have a comment too about, um, I know we're going to, we're getting to, to, to the songs a little bit in just a minute or so, but I did want to point out in the story where Lady Juliana is singing the prayer over Kaylee. You know, she says, uh, guide her to a place where she will be safe. And as she's singing that, Kaylee is being led or chased into the Forbidden Forest. And it reminded me so much of how God leads us into dark, scary places 
but that is where we find growth and ultimately where Kaylee finds growth. And I thought that was really powerful juxtaposition of the mom praying for her daughter, Lord, please keep her safe. And she is going straight into the lion's den of this scary place and going on a quest. Right. It's a lot like, you know, in the testing of our faith, there is a lot of that in the Bible for many different people, especially when Moses is leading the people out of Egypt and they're wandering through the desert for 40 years. And, you know, some people are grumbling, some people are complaining and it's all how you're testing your I mean, if I was in that position, it'd probably be very difficult to have a you know positive outlook on the future because you're just wandering in the desert. I mean, it's sand. It's going to get in all those nooks and crannies. <laughs> yeah, sand is the worst. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Be- that's why beaches are not my favorite. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> but, yeah, beaches, uh Sand gets everywhere. Do you remember when we first went to the beach together? Yes. Oh, my goodness. In Florida, it was like April, right? So it wasn't quite warm enough to really be at the beach. But we went, and mm-hmm. it was a windy day. And if you... Now, wind is fine when it's moderate. When it's microabrasion, it's another story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that wind. We got a free facial out of it, but <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do that again. But yeah, God leads us into, um, you know, and he, I think a a key theological thing to point out here too, is that God himself is not the cause of evil. He is not one doing the evil, but the Bible does tell us that he allows evil into the world and Rome. Um, You see in Job, the beginning of Job, where Satan comes to the throne room of God and he says, you know, that guy, Joel, Job over there, I bet he would hate you if you caused like sickness or, or if he got sick, he would curse your name. And, and Job or uh, God was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Why don't you test that out? I'm putting my money on Job that he's going to be okay. (laughs) And actually, I think God was the one in the story who brought Job up as a righteous servant. And um, so he definitely, I don't know why we don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't know about that, but he definitely allows things to happen, but it's always for our good and for his glory. Always. You know, we just have to trust God that he is in control of every single little aspect of our lives and we need to surrender and submit ourselves to him. Absolutely. It all goes back to him. And said this before, you know, we give our lives over to him. We surrender to him and he becomes our stronghold, our fortress and our rock. Yeah. And I know we're talking about the different characters at the moment. And I did want to point out one of the... One of the notes that I took on Sir Ruber, can you even call him Sir Ruber or is it just Ruber towards the well, most of the story? Well, after he is a failed knight. Right. He's no longer Sir. He's, sir, no longer he's just a Ruber. He's just a Ruber. You're such a Ruber. Such a Ruber. <laughs> I thought his name was like Ruben. Oh, so, oh a sandwich. <laughs> Those are good sandwiches, though. Yummy. Yes, they are. Um, so, but one of the things that I wanted to point out about him, cause we've, we haven't really talked about him very much, 
during the podcast here. And I wanted to point out that he is living the self-life. He is completely consumed by soulishness. I mean, just a side note here, if you want to experience hell on earth, that's kind of the personality and the uh, the life that you would live. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so... And there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting good things for yourself, but when you are self-absorbed, self-centered, and it's all about you, the, I, in my opinion, that is just a very lonely and it is a very unfulfilled life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very unfulfilling. It's um, because you're not, we were designed to live for God. That's how we were designed. And, you know, eh, the cliche of we all have a God sized hole in our, in us. And that's true. Um, Even though it's a cliche, it's a true one. And, you know, I don't know if we have talked about this on the show before, but some basics of theology, at least that I believe, and you know, I think are right, but um, that the Bible very, very specifically says that man is three parts, right? We are body, soul, and spirit. And this is really important because we are three parts just as, um, so in follow along with me here for a moment, in Genesis, God says, you know, let us make man in our own image. Okay, so we believe in a triune God, right? The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is body, Jesus, soul, God, spirit, Holy Spirit. So if we are made in his image, would it not stand to reason then that we are body, soul, and spirit? You know, this is this is known through through the rest of the Bible as well. They talk about this being body, soul, and spirit. And the the body is what is world conscious. So the body feels the world. It um it it knows the pleasures of this world, but it is ultimately at the command of the soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And that is where all of the decisions are made in our mind, will, and emotions. We experience so much of our lives in that place, um, particularly before Christ, because uh, it is when we become a Christian that our spirit in us was dead. We had a dead spirit, and then the Holy Spirit came and made us completely new, gave us a new spirit, just like Isaiah talks about, you know, I will take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. I will put a new spirit in you, and that he made us a new creation when we became Christians, and so then that spirit is what is God conscious, and the way it's supposed to work in our lives is a represent you see it represented in the tabernacle of the old testament that was a visual representation of what goes on in each one of us in the the so the tabernacle you had the outer court of this tent basically and then um, inside of that there was the inner court And then inside of that, there was the Holy of Holies, and that is where God's Spirit resided in the Ark of the Covenant. And the way that it worked 
was that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, communicated with God, got the message from God, communicated it out to the inner court, and then they communicated that out to the outer court. And that is a direct representation of the outer court being our body, the inner court being our soul, and the Holy of Holies being our spirit. So we are, spirit communicates with spirit. So our commun- our spirit communicates with um, the Holy Spirit to then communicate out to our soul, which um, then communicates out to our body. And our body is what carries out the desires of our soul and of our, our mind, will, and emotion. So what our will is, is what our body does. This is wow, this is way deeper than I intended to go. But uh, with our soul being our mind, will, and emotions, if you live from your intellect, from your greed, from what you want, the pleasures that you desire, um, that is living in your soul. That's a soulish lifestyle. And um, non-Christians live there constantly. That's where they always live. Uh, but Christians can live there as well. That's where they they can base their decisions and their desires off of what they want rather than communicating spirit to spirit and getting what God's will for their life is. That was a a mini sermon from Rebecca. You're welcome. But (laughs) to support this program, please send your donations to yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, my point in saying all of that is that you see this so clearly in the character of Ruber and that he is 100% living out of his own desire and his own greed. And you see where that gets him. Right. And that's just exhibited throughout his time in the film completely. While we're talking about Ruber, I did notice when he goes to visit the home of Lady Juliana and Kaylee, he brings this like green glowing potion and drops it in a well, right? Yes, right. And he creates the blade beak, which is the chicken um, mixed with an axe right. um, head, I think. And, you know, it just struck me that if he's, you know, kind of playing out Satan, evil, that kind of a thing, Ruber cannot create anything new of in and of himself. He did not create anything new with these things, but he did distort what God had already created. Correct. And again, that's what he does. He distorts the, um, he distorts the truth. He, mm-hmm. um, just changes it. And again, going back, he uses it for his own pleasure, his own, his own selfish needs. Right. His own desires. It was his desires that were chief above all and ruled his life. Well, I know we spent a lot of time on Sir, uh, on Sir Ruler, but again, great allegory and great correlation for Satan. Well, and I think too that light is contrasted by dark and it darkness is. is contrasted by light. Yes. And you need the two to recognize to recognize them. Yeah, like yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how great the light is compared to the darkness. Have you ever noticed if you're in a pitch black room, you light one small candle illuminates the whole room. How incredible is that? I just love that imagery. 
But yeah, so I think it's time, though, that we move on to the music. Yes, the music. So we discussed this a little bit beforehand, but it is such a triumphant, great lead into the movie. The song, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. Again, it is a verse in the Bible. A house cannot stand divided. Isn't that a proverb? No, no, no. It's, it's, an, it's a verse. I'm trying to... Yeah, I know. In the book of Proverbs. Oh. (laughs) Silly Josh. Yeah, it's an old Chinese proverb. No. (laughs) But yes, it is in the book of Proverbs. And a lot of good virtues in the song towards the very end of that first musical number. They explain all these virtues like justice. And um, we'll, we'll play that part of the song here. So just a lot of great virtues and a lot of great attributes for us to uphold and for us to exhibit in our daily lives. Right. Yeah. And how much more this made me think so much of the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, those are that is what comes out of us when we are walking by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Right, right. And then we go into, which we touched on a little bit, so On My Father's Wings. Yes, I I loved this song. And there's actually a verse in Isaiah, right? Yes. Let me... And while you're looking that up... On My Father's Wings, this is Kaylee's song where after her father, Sir Lionel, um, gets killed by Sir Ruler, she then sets off to be, you know, I'm going to be a great knight, I'm going to be a great fighter, I'm going to soar on my father's wings to be all that I can be and be the best version of me. Yeah, so some of the lyrics that she the, she says in there are... I want to live my life the ways that I could with courage as my light, fighting for what's right like you believed that I could. And I will fly on my father's wings to places I've never been. There is so much I've never seen, and I can feel his heart beat still, and I will do great things on my father's wings. And I love, I love those lyrics. Uh, what really caught my eye, too, was a little further down in the song was, uh, she says, someday with his spirit to guide me and his memory beside me, I will be free, free to fly on my father's wings to places I've never been. And uh, and she goes on. But I, I love that those lyrics of someday with his spirit to guide me, I will be free to fly on my father's wings. And I know she's specifically talking about her dad in in this um, particular passage. But yeah, it made me think of uh, Isaiah forty thirty one, where Isaiah says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That was Isaiah forty thirty one. I love that verse. 
we will fly on our father's wings. Currently, we do, you know, we are walking with the spirit, walking with him constantly. So let's go ahead and move on to Garrett's song, which is called I Stand Alone. And it's about him having this handicap and feeling like he's an outcast. And when Kaylee says, you know, come along with me and we can go ahead and get Excalibur and bring that to Camelot. And he said, well, you can go. Me, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to go there. I, I've never belonged there. Well, it's, I, no, I think it's actually more that he, he's going. He want. he's like, okay, Aiden and I, which is the, the silver winged falcon. And um, he's like, okay, Aiden and I are going to go. And uh, you can't come with us. Like, no, I stand alone. I, I know the lay of the land. You know, you don't. And I don't trust you. So I'm going this alone. Um, that's really what, what I think he's talking about. Yeah. And I love the lyrics, too, of what he says. Um, so he starts off and he's like, I know the sound of each rock and stone. I embrace what others fear. You are not to roam in this forgotten place. Just the likes of me are welcome here. Everything breathes, and I know every breath. For me, it means life. For others, it's death. It perfectly, it's perfectly balanced, perfectly planned. It's more than the, it's more than enough for this man. I think that's really, really interesting. I like the juxtaposition though of where he says, you know, for me it's life, but for others it's death. I thought that's interesting. These lyrics remind me a lot of the Christian walk, not the I stand alone piece, because that's not true. But um, but where he's talking about, for me, it's life, but for others, it's death. The Bible tells us even that for the gospel, the good news is life for uh, for some, but it's death for others. You know, they some people just won't accept it because they won't accept it, and that's their choice. Um, but for others, it's life. And I don't know. That, that's really cool. As long as you take out the "I stand alone" part, you know, because we we do nothing by ourselves. Right. Right. Anyway, I hijacked that uh, conversation there. What else do you want to say? <laughs> no, that I mean, you, you've said it all. So, um, you know, great commentary on that. And then, of course, with any animated film, you have to have a little bit of romance. So that brings us to the song "Through Your Eyes." Yeah, which, okay, just gotta say, as a kid, this all made sense. Like, everything was like, yes, they should be together. And of course, all of this. Watching it um, recently, it was so fast and honestly out of the blue. Did you feel like that, too? It was. It was just like, kind of like thrown in there. It's like, okay, and now you really like each other. Yeah, it's it seemed like it was a last minute thing. I mean, granted, you only have like what 90 minutes to develop all of these characters and they hate each other at first and then they start to like each other and then you know, I it's a lot. It's a lot that has to happen in these films, so I can definitely see how I mean, as a kid though, like I said, it didn't matter. It was like, "Ooh, yay, they got together. So happy." Right, because the the movie itself is just shy of an hour and a half. It's like an hour and 28 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have a lot of setup in the beginning. They do. And we've already kind of discussed the prayer that uh, Did you have anything more to say on that, which was Lady Juliana's song? 
No, um, it was definitely an abridged version, though, of the full song, which oh, I love that song. It's such a great song. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's the one that we had Julie and Rachel sing at our wedding. They did. They did. Such a good song. Yeah, I love that. That was, I think, during when we took communion for the first time as a couple. So many great memories. And that kind of, well, we do have the uh, other if I song. I didn't have yeah, you, you. forgot <laughs> the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Well, they look like dinosaurs. They, they do. They're, they're, they're dragons. The dragons. Excuse me. The two-headed dragons. And again, it's very much a comedic relief. Sidebar type of song. It's, but I didn't hate it. No. You no, know? Neither did I. I thought it was funny. It was enjoyable. It kind of gave a, a reprieve from everything that was going on. Right, yeah, with a lot of times with those types of songs, you're like, oh, come on, this is cheesy, it's, uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, what I really found, that again, it's, it's a fun song, because it's not like a holiday feel-good song, um, is in Beating the Beast Enchanted Christmas, where it's Cogsworth and Air. And they're saying, I'm a cut above the rest. A cut above the rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the same kind of feel. I love that song. <laughs> love that movie. We need to do that around Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we've got we got some we got some exciting things planned for um for shows in December. Was that it? Was that all of the the music? There was so much music in this. And there was, was there there was a couple of reprise uh reprises and which also, we were discussing this last night as we were watching this movie. Is it reprise or reprise? Yes, if you're listening to this um, on our website, there is a comment section. So do you want to reply with how it's pronounced, like, like type it out, how it would be phonetically, and tell us if you think it's reprise, reprise. I've always thought it's reprise. That's how I've always seen it and heard it. Yes. I feel like any any music majors out there would know. Your your sister definitely. Will. We should ask her. Yes, I think I will actually on Marco Polo. Which, if you guys not sponsored, if if, if you guys are interested in a uh like a video chat app on your phone, my family has been loving Marco Polo. It's fabulous. It's basically like a text message but you just send it as a video and you can go back and revisit them and and all of that and it's it's really fun we enjoy it i find it's much easier to just whip out a phone um or for video like and with your with your family you're just like it doesn't matter your friends if they if they love the real you then that's okay yeah if they love the real you not the fake you (laughs) exactly yeah that's what i have issues that's why i have issues with social media in general is because it's such a curated version of yourself you want to portray well yes the the best parts of yourself yeah some people will post like low lights in their point or it's curated yeah they yeah, it so that's all kind of frustrating. That's why I like Marco Polo because it's literally the people you care about. You know what I was thinking too? Uh we should see about doing like reading one comment from our website or something at the beginning of each episode. That might be a fun way to like start off. And that would be yeah, if you if you guys want to comment on you know at least a review on iTunes, comment on our podcast episodes if you go to the website which is emily.com slash 
podcast slash feed. That'll get you to the podcast uh, portion of the of the website. You can also from the menu you can go under blog. It'll have a drop down that says podcasts. That'll lead to the main podcast page where you can subscribe on all the popular podcast platforms. And there is a button that says more episodes. You can click that and that'll also lead you to the podcast feed page as well. And you can click on an episode, leave us a comment. You can also go to our contact page, send us any questions or comments there as well. But as for wrapping up, we're going to give our personal recommendations for Quest for Camelot. I'll go first since it was my first time seeing it, so it's fresh. I would absolutely recommend it. Now, the animation, it is not spectacular. It's great. Um, You'll definitely notice it is going to use that CGI animation along with 2D. The CGI animation that they used was actually not really for animated films. It was more used for live action. Really? I didn't know that he used CGI. What what portions? And so it was only, well, there was only one portion I recognized. It's with the ogre, the rock ogre. Oh, type. okay. Yes. Yeah, I can see that now. So definitely, definitely fun. The songs were great. Um, loved them. And it was a lot of fun. And so I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Five out of five. I would have to agree with that assessment. To me, this ranks up there with Swan Princess. Um, And even, you know, there's a nostalgia piece for it with me. Um, But even beyond that, watching it again, it still holds up in my mind. The songs are great. Honestly, I love music. So and and good story. If it has good music, good story, I'm sold. Um, It does need to look visually appealing, though. Yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend five out of five for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And music is so powerful. Um, something that we're kind of discussing is a, um, and this may be a podcast or maybe a part of an aftercast that we'll do at some point in the future where we'll talk about just the overall theme of music in animated films and how that plays and we'll probably have a guest on who can elaborate more on that who's in the music industry or who has a degree in music yeah i'm excited to to see what what kind of guests we've got lined up um i know we've got one lined up for a little later in this in the series here so we'll keep that on our wraps and till we're, till until that episode comes out that's right you guys won't know but no it. but no spoilers about future episodes as far as like um details details yeah and i will say um the last thing is that there are elements of magic in this movie but it is so minor that you don't even really notice and it's all done by evil and it's just like swan princess yeah and exactly yeah again as i mentioned earlier in the in the episode where people were leaving reviews on Christian Answer Spotlight for this movie. And I felt that the magic was too too strong and I felt that it's like It was such a minor piece. And it, it is very minor. And again, you have to assess that for yourself and for your family. 
of what you're going to allow, what's acceptable. But we saw this very minor, and again, it's not like there was an incantation um, all throughout, or there wasn't, you know, it was just all magic. We were just, we just going to have a full movie of just brain potions, we are just going to flash them on the screen as a sort of subliminal message. <laughs> well, that, and it's not like... It wasn't being posed as a positive thing. It was a negative thing. Right, right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our review and analysis on A Quest for Camelot. Again, we thank you for joining us, and we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Analuya podcast. Be sure to check us out online at analuya.com. There you'll find our weekly blog and a list of all our podcast episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Join us next time on the Analuya Podcast.